When you have a safe internal space, you can soothe yourself and you can calm yourself down even when you're experiencing a stressful event. Welcome to the Unconditionally Worthy Podcast. In this podcast, I will guide you on your journey to connect with the true source of your self-worth. Each week, we'll discuss barriers to unconditional self-worth, the connection between self-worth and relationships, self-worth practices you can apply to your life, and how to use self-worth as a foundation for living courageously. I'm your host, Dr. Adia Gooden, a licensed clinical psychologist, dance enthusiast, and a dark chocolate lover who believes deeply that you are worthy unconditionally. Hello, and welcome to episode 23 of the Unconditionally Worthy podcast. You know, I had dinner with some former coworkers last week, and it just struck me that I it has not yet been a year since I left my last job. It feels like so much has happened. It feels like so much time has passed. But last time this year, or this time last year, uh, in the fall of 2020, I was still working full time for another organization. And I was just beginning to think about maybe creating an online course. And I hadn't yet thought about creating a a podcast. And so it's really kind of cool to see how much has happened over the last year, how much I have built and how, how far things have progressed. And it's also really cool to think about being in the second season of this podcast, even though last year, this time, I didn't know I didn't know that I was going to have a podcast. So all of that feels very cool and I'm super grateful for it. So on today's episode, we are going to be talking about creating a safe internal space. And I know that safe spaces have gotten a bad rap, right? Like about 10 years ago, maybe it was a little recent, more recent. Everybody was talking about safe spaces, how students need safe spaces, how kids needed safe spaces. And then there was sort of a backlash against safe spaces. And there was a conversation about, you know, safe spaces are just coddling millennials and they're just coddling uh, Gen Zers and we don't need safe spaces, right? And the conversation changed. Maybe we need brave spaces, et cetera, et cetera. Well, In my opinion, one of the places that we do still need safe spaces, one of the most important places that we need a space to be safe is in our minds, in our relationship with ourselves. Our internal space needs to be safe. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. I've been really blessed in my life to inhabit a lot of safe spaces. I grew up in a safe neighborhood where I could play with my neighbors and run up and down the block without fear, without my parents being worried about my safety. I went to schools that were safe where there weren't any fights and I didn't have to navigate or contend with law enforcement as I entered or walked around my school. My home was safe. My parents almost never argued. And when they did, it was quietly behind closed doors. They're a pretty calm family. And they rarely yelled at me. I mean, occasionally. (laughs) And there really wasn't any physical violence in my house. So generally, I had a lot of privilege around my safety. And I'm not sharing this to just highlight all the ways in which I was privileged when I was growing up. But I want to point out that this safety really supported my growth and development. Since I didn't have to worry about being safe 
safe in my neighborhood. I was free to roam and play and explore. Since I didn't have to worry about my safety at school, I was free to focus and learn. Since I didn't have to worry about my safety at home, I was free to relax and be myself. All of this was wonderful. And despite the fact that most of the spaces that I moved through were safe, I still didn't feel totally at ease because my internal space wasn't completely safe. I've shared this many times before, but I thought that there was something wrong with me as a kid and I was lonely a lot. And in my attempts to understand what I was experiencing, I conducted, I concluded that I was the problem and I needed to change myself to be better, to be perfect in order to be included and get rid of the loneliness I was feeling in order to finally feel worthy and lovable. And part of what was contributing to me feeling like I wasn't good enough was the messages that I was internalizing about being Black and being a Black girl and whether or not that was acceptable and embraced. And I thankfully didn't experience any overt or explicit racism when I was growing up, but I did experience sort of subtle messages that who I was or how I was just wasn't okay, just wasn't good enough. And one of the ways that this sort of internalized discrimination or internalized racism manifested for me was when I was in probably seventh and eighth grade and, you know, people were starting to couple up, couple up and date. I'm using air quotes um, for those of you who can't see me. And I just basically knew that I was never going to be one of the girls who someone liked. I just sort of told myself, like, they're not going to find you attractive. Like your lips are too big. You're not attractive. I distinctly remember hanging out on campus. I was I was probably in eighth grade one day with a couple of my guy friends. We went to a very small school and one of their moms came up to us. This was after school, looked me up and down and commented on how much I had grown over the summer. And she was obviously referring to my breasts. And so, you know, this message that like there was something wrong with me, I wasn't attractive, no one was going to find me attractive, it was communicated in small and large ways. And I internalized that, right? I started to believe that about myself. I started to judge and criticize myself and say, well, you're not attractive, so nobody's going to ask you to dance. You're not attractive, so nobody's going to like you, right? Like, don't even get your hopes up that the guy you have a crush on would like you back. Like, just settle for being a really good friend, right? And and talking to him about his real crush, right? And so I guess I illustrate this because there were a lot of ways in which I experienced safety in my life. And yet there were other ways in which, you know, this, this sort of implicit lack of safety that I had as a Black girl growing up in America, given the messages that we received, that I internalized it, right? And then I started criticizing myself and I started picking at myself and started sort of wondering what was wrong with me and downgrading my hopes and holding myself back, right? I, all of this mixed together with my own anxiety, my own feelings that something was wrong with me. And When I look back on it now, I feel a whole lot of compassion for my 12, 13-year-old self. And I can see I was trying to protect myself, right, from being hurt and rejected. But in reality, beating myself up and not allowing myself to feel safe in my own head, criticizing myself, judging my looks, judging my actions, judging my behavior, feeling like I was too much, all of that just made my internal space unsafe. It made it hard for me to feel like it was okay to be myself. 
I felt like I needed to change to be different, to be included and accepted. And then when I was left out, which definitely happened, I ended up feeling even worse because I criticized myself for it. I wonder if you can relate to my experience at all. Does the space inside your head feel unsafe? Is the space where you experience the worst criticism, where you can't seem to get anything right, where you can't seem to do enough, is that the space inside your head? Is the space where the worst outcome seems bound to happen inside of you? Yeah. I mean, if if it resonates, if this feels true, if you're answering these questions with a yes, know that you're not alone, right? I struggled with this far beyond seventh and eighth grade, right? This continued for me for many, many years, right? Into my late 20s, I would say, right? Where I was constantly criticizing, constantly telling myself I needed to do better, constantly feeling like I didn't do enough. And I, I didn't feel safe inside. I didn't feel at ease and at home with myself. And so, you know, if this is resonating with you, know that you're not alone. Know that this is not another reason to judge yourself, but just to notice, right? Ooh, like, do I feel at safe? Do I feel safe and at home inside myself? Do I feel comfortable with myself? Am I kind to myself? So I do want to pause and just talk about what a safe space is, right? Like, let's get on the same page about what we're talking about. So A safe space is a place where you feel calm, at ease, and secure. While we may not always be able to control the safety of our external environments, we can control the safety that we feel within ourselves, our internal space. And an internal safe space looks like being there for yourself, offering yourself comfort when you're having a hard time, supporting and encouraging yourself when you get a new idea or you have a big dream that you want to pursue, acknowledging your feelings without judgment and being accepting of yourself. That's what a safe space looks like. It's what we want our homes to feel like, our relationships with our friends and partners and families to be like, right? It's basically creating a relationship with ourselves that relates to how we want to be treated by other people. It gives us a sense of calm. It gives us a sense of peace. It gives us a sense that we are okay. And the good news is that this is something we can create for ourselves. So it's really important to have a safe internal space because it supports us in managing the stressors of the world, right? There is a lot going on in the world and it's often very stressful, right? We hear the news, lots of things happening, whether it's natural disasters or political disasters or people's rights being taken away. It's stressful, right? We worry about our well-being. We worry about other people's well-being. And this is a lot to handle. And it only makes it worse if we come home to an internal space that's filled with judgment, criticism, and catastrophizing. And catastrophizing is basically when we predict the worst possible outcome, right? So we take a, you know, sending the wrong email to the wrong people at work, and we end up thinking that we're going to lose our jobs, we're going to become homeless because we're not going to be able to find other work. And then everything we've worked for is over, right? Like that's a that's catastrophizing. So essentially, when we get caught up in all of those negative thoughts, we end up feeling even more stressed than we were in the first place, right? So it is useful to have a place to retreat from the stressors of the world. And that doesn't mean putting your head in the sand, right? That doesn't mean that you don't advocate, that you don't work towards improving the world. 
It means that as you do that, you're not constantly criticizing and judging yourself and internalizing the negative messages of the world in the process. So when we feel unsafe, either due to a real or perceived threat, and that could be anything from thinking that you called someone by the wrong name to worrying that you have a serious illness, our prefrontal cortex or our thinking brain, basically what's behind your forehead, helps us make decisions in a logical manner. It shuts down right? And our amygdala or our emotional brain, which is at the back of our head, the back of our brain takes over. So basically what I'm saying is your brain does not know the difference between a real threat or a perceived threat that you have made up in your head. Your brain, all of our brains also have a really hard time telling the difference between something that is actually happening right now to us in this moment and something that we are predicting may happen, right? So our brain responds in a very similar way to sending the wrong email to a bunch of people, right? Like you meant to reply to one person, but you replied all, right? Like our response, if, if that feels like, oh my God, I'm going to lose our jo- my job, your body will respond as though you have lost your job, Right. And this is why in those moments, it feels like, why am I having such a big reaction? Well, it's because your body is like, you've lost your job. This is awful. And starts freaking out, right? And so part of what I'm saying is that when we create an unsafe internal space, when it's characterized by self-criticism and judgment and catastrophizing, we're setting off alarm bells in our brain constantly. And then we're feeling reactive and on edge and stressed in response because our brain cannot tell the difference. Our body cannot tell the difference. And basically what happens is we go into fight, flight, or freeze mode, right? So we go into survival mode. And the only thing we're able to think through is how do I run away? How do I freeze? Or how do I fight to protect myself in this moment? So we're not able to make good, thoughtful decisions. We're not able to calm ourselves down. And all of this can be triggered or set off by a bunch of self-criticism, negative thinking. All right. So I'm hoping that makes sense, right? Our negative thinking, our negative thoughts, having an internal space that is unsafe, triggers, can trigger a fight, flight, or freeze mode. And then we're in survival mode and it's really hard to think. It's really hard to make decisions about how to move forward. So in contrast, if we have a safe internal space, it doesn't mean that nothing stressful ever happens. It doesn't mean that we never make a mistake, though I will say that when you're calm and you're grounded in yourself, you are less likely to make a mistake because you're rushing, right? Often self-criticism and anxiety cause us to rush. And so we're sending the email, we're doing all of this stuff and we're talking, we're multitasking, right? And so that makes it more likely that we will make mistakes, right? But if we are a friend to ourselves, if we are kind to ourselves, then it's easier to slow down and be grounded. When you have a safe internal space, you can soothe yourself and you can calm yourself down even when you're experiencing a stressful event, right? So you're able to more easily move out of fight, flight, or freeze mode and back into thinking mode, right? The executive functioning and the thinking brain and your prefrontal cortex goes back online. And then you are also able to communicate to your body, it's okay. We're actually not in danger, right? We actually are not in danger of losing our job. We're actually not in danger of 
becoming homeless right now, right? We are okay. So you can soothe yourself and calm yourself down. And then because your prefrontal cortex is back online, you can proceed, right? You can make a decision about how you will move forward in a way that's effective. So I hope I'm convincing you, right, that this is important. And, you know, often when we're navigating the stressful world that many of us live in, It feels like we are a victim of it. It feels like there is literally nothing we can do. Like we're whipped around by the waves of stress. Like this happened, this happened, this happened, this happened, right? Yes, we cannot. Sometimes we can control our external circumstances and situations. A lot of times we don't have total control. But what we do have control over, what we can be empowered to change is our internal space, is how we treat ourselves. And when we have a safe space inside, we are able to cope with the stress we experience in the world. We can acknowledge our feelings and tune into our needs and take care of ourselves better so we recover from the stress. Having an internal safe space also gives you the courage to take healthy risks and pursue your dreams, right? Sometimes the biggest discouragers we have in our lives is ourselves, is the inner critic in our heads saying, oh, that'll never work. That'll never happen. Really, you're going to try that? But when we are kind to ourselves, when we are a friend to ourselves, we can nurture our dreams. We can nurture what gets us excited and we can explore and be creative, right? So you're able to encourage yourself. You can compassionately coach yourself through challenging situations and remind yourself that you can do it. And that's what gives you the energy and motivation to move forward. So I hope that this is resonating with you, right? I hope that this is helping you to start to think about the internal space that you have created for yourself, right? And again, as always, none of this is a reason to judge yourself. None of this is a reason to say, oh my God, I can't believe I uh, make my internal space so unsafe. It's just a reason to say, wow. So one of the reasons I may be exhausted is because it is exhausting to be in my head. I am constantly criticizing myself. I am constantly freaking out. And that's something I could change. So what's one way I can be kind to myself, right? And essentially, that's where you start with creating an internal space that is safe, right? I talk a lot about this on this podcast. So dig through the archive, right? Dig through season one and season two and and see what you find. But basically, letting go of self-criticism helps you to create safety. Being kind and compassionate to yourself helps you create safety. Being accepting and not judgmental creates safety. Taking care of your physical needs helps your body to feel safe and at ease. And connecting with people who love and support you helps you create internal safety because it reminds you that you're deserving of being treated well and with love and care and respect. So if you're ready to dig into some of these practices and you really want to start creating a safe internal space for yourself, I have a great resource for you. So it's my free ebook on four practices to connect with your unconditional self-worth. So all four of the practices that I share in this ebook are actionable and they will help you to feel more safe within yourself. So you can get the free ebook by going to dradiagoodin.com forward slash free e dash book. So it's linked in the show notes. So you can get it there. So it's www.dradiagoodin.com forward slash free another e dash book. And you can sign up and you will receive the free ebook. 
So I really hope that this has been helpful for you. I'd love to hear what you think. So please leave a rating, send me a message or a DM on Instagram. Let me know what you think. Maybe share the episode and tag me in your stories uh, so other people can find it as well. And next episode, I am going to be talking with my good friend, Hannah Marsh, about the connection between how we feel about ourselves internally and how we show up in the world. And so we talked today all about sort of our internal space. And next time, next week, we're going to be talking about how your internal space and how you see yourself helps you to influences how you show up in the world. So Hannah is a brand strategist and she has so many gems, so much wisdom that she'll be sharing. And the reality is that everyone has a brand. That's what Hannah tells us in the episode. Everyone has a brand. So whether or not you're an entrepreneur, you are going to want to check out that episode. So stay tuned for that. And as always, thank you so much for listening till next time. Thanks for joining me this week on the Unconditionally Worthy podcast. Make sure to visit my website, dradiagoodin.com and subscribe to the show on iTunes so you'll never miss an episode. You can also follow me on social media at Dr. Adia Gooden. If you love the show, please leave a review on iTunes so we can continue to bring you amazing episodes. Lastly, if you found this episode helpful and know someone who might benefit from hearing it, please share it. Thanks for listening and see you next episode. This episode was produced by Chris and Tiana and the music is by Wadaboy.